back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i'm your co-host mike one co-host also mike in a moment i warned everyone i'm going to yell this episode i apologize in advance Uh, i guess the upshot is i'm going to yell about some stuff that not a lot of people have yelled about yet but i will also be yelling about stuff that people have also yelled about already so that's where i stand in this loaded oscar race checkpoint episode to start michael where do you stand well, I stand that I'm I'm wincing. I'm standing and wincing uh, at at you about to yell. I think that's my usual <laughs> when I come into the room and I see you there. That's usually what I do. <laughs> just and the, the just, standard go to. Just more of that today. No, I think. Look, I mean, we're grateful to be talking about this kind of stuff. Yes. As, as you just ta- you mentioned to me in the pre-show, uh, there's a lot going on in the world right now in the Ukraine. Our hearts go out to all of those good people and to the situation is just tumultuous it's scary it's so many different things that um we're not gonna, comes to mind yeah yeah we're not going to get into those things today they do have uh impacts upon the film industry a lot of great ukrainian films have been breaking through uh we just saw one at, at sundance this year and it's it's kind of sad it's kind of sad to see those stories coming out about the filmmakers hiding in bomb shelters, and, and we want to cover those. But, uh, you know, th- this will be more of a reprieve today. We'll, we'll take some more time, Mike, and we'll kind of think about things, and we'll, we'll, we'll discuss them, I'm sure, uh, yeah. down the line. I mean, this is, uh, you know, we, we're, we're going to do what we do, and I don't know that this our little podcast here would have much to, to offer on the, the, nas- the global stage that's going on anyway. But like you said, I just want to echo those sentiments. Uh, we, like the rest of the world, was uh, enraptured in what was going on yesterday, the 24th of February. Uh, that's kind of why we didn't record yesterday, because right. we, we were just, I mean, shock and awe and disgust and heartbreak and all that. So we're going to do what we do here. Like you said, uh, this will have major repercussions, not only globally, but in our little corner of the film world as well. As that comes up, we will cover it. Uh, we will do our best with it. But yeah, our hearts go out to... We're just thinking of them. I mean, it's. I feel like those words are so hollow, and I wish they could do more and mean more. But yeah. we are thinking of the uh, the Ukrainian people and what's going on overseas there, and the impact it has there, and the impact it has to so many, and the impact it has here, and it's just awful. And uh, we are grateful to you, dear listener, that you afford us a chance to uh, hopefully give you a reprieve from that and escapism. And that's what the world of film is supposed to be. And that's what it's kind of been built on. It's an escape from reality. And that's uh, we're going to try to fill our role to be an escape from reality for you talking about the film world uh, for this episode, at least. Uh, but yeah, we wanted to make that mention at the top of the show and just uh, let it be known. We are not certainly not blind, as nobody should be and could, could be, I think, uh, to what's going on across the uh, the globe right now. True, true. Uh, and when you say escape from reality, reality, you mean an alternate reality that I can live in you, most <laughs> of the time, more of the time. I can live in there more of the time still. Right, and- right. right. It's, 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 it's a reality. It's also, you know, I mean, it's it, this is... <laughs> I'm not going to not be angry today about the escape from reality that we are covering. So there's that that you have to either look forward to or fear, like you kind of said already, that that you are trepidatious of. 
Right. We're, we're going to be dealing with a lot of feelings today. We will take out and lash out at times today. There's no doubt about it. It's coming. I've seen the big capital letters uh, in here. Again, hence the wincing to bring mm-hmm. us back full circle. Uh, so get ready. So uh, anything happened lately with the Oscars? Scott Feinberg, <laughs> Scotty F, right there. First line of reporting on this story on Tuesday. He got the exclusive. And uh, look, we're going to be quoting many of our favorite entertainment journalists that we all know and love and we've had on the show. Uh, but we'll start with Scott. What's happening? The Oscars, they're aiming for a three-hour broadcast on March 27th, Sunday. Mm-hmm. But they will only present 15 of the 23 awards live on that broadcast. Now, the other eight awards will be presented inside of the Dolby an hour prior to the live Oscars telecast, edited versions uh, or, or versions or versions mm-hmm. of this program will be a will then be a part of the three-hour broadcast. So essentially, and, and Clayton Davis is waiting on this, clips of the speeches will be folded, folded into the live TV broadcasts, and sources close to the Academy tell him that uh, viewers at home won't be able to distinguish between the live feed sure, sure. and the edited package that will likely uh, be used as bumpers and other forms of transitions between segments and hosts. If that's their angle with this, shouldn't they, I mean... They should have, I guess it doesn't matter because it would have came out anyway. But like, if you're going to play the, oh, you won't even be able to tell, maybe just do it and then tell, dare people to be able to tell afterwards instead of making a big announcement about it. But it would have leaked out anyway to all these great reporters who are on top of their game doing their job. So it doesn't really matter, I guess. Uh, anyway, here hmm. are the eight awards that will not be presented live this year uh, the three shorts, doc short, animated short, live action short, film editing. Make sense of that, if you will. Makeup and hairstyling, original score, because music doesn't really impact what we do with movies or how we interpret them. Production design and sound, those are the eight that will not be presented live during the Oscars telecast on March 27th. I, I'm just caught on the visual of what do you think they would have like a hook like somebody's cane and just like grab Hans Zimmer, you know, <laughs> off the red carpet Dude, and be like, we, didn't we Hans? Make, if we, didn't we make a. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. A late night at the Apollo joke about that exact very premise like a couple months ago, and now it's like, yeah, sure, that's probably what the Academy considered at some point along the line here. Hans, you want original score? Get off the red carpet at seven twenty-two. Get in here and make a speech. Uh, yeah, they no. All right, that, no, that's the first dumb thing you've said today. They could have just just did it. Um, uh-huh. That won't be the last. Maybe, no, right? I'm chock full of dumbness today. <laughs> That, I I got I to gotta jump on you for that one. But uh, all right. Uh, why are they doing this? Why are they taking these eight awards? Uh, according to the Academy leadership, let's get their reasons first. Uh, this is from David Rubin. Quote, after carefully listening to feedback and suggestions from our film community, sure. our network partner, and all those who love the Oscars. But especially it, the networks. It was evident we needed. I like how they bunched them together. It yeah. was evident we needed to make some decisions about the broadcast that are in the best interest of the future of our show and our organization. In order to provide more time and opportunity for audience entertainment and engagement through comedy, musical numbers, film clip packages, and movie tributes, a change change in the show's production will take place. So, uh, that story again, they are not going to present all 23 because they want to have more time for those legendary notorious comedy bits that we have all grown to know and love and see every year in the Oscars. Okay. 
epic comedy bits. Mm-hmm. Bit. There's two. No, no, they're right. They're two bits. There's uh, <laughs> Glenn Double N. That they were one for one last year. So here they are feeling themselves. Sure. Oh, we were one for one last year. We're going to be five for for nineteen this year, and everybody's yeah, going to be okay with that. Five people laughing at eleven twenty seven p.m. <laughs> Eastern Standard Time when Glenn Close was talking about the butt. Let's do more of that. I agree. And then Ellen's selfie, which was a a, a great moment for every plus. <sighs> 40-year-old white person (laughs) to uh, high-five about. Yeah, We're going to highlight some of the things that uh, have come up and that they've done well and that they have not done well, and it's going to be all part of this big conversation. And look, I'm going to be even more honest and kind of give away the game here. Mike and I are not opposed to the idea of changing the show in a a way because I think... We're on the record, Mike. Yeah, there's proof that it does need changing, and there are a lot of signs that show that the show itself is in decline. Um, I don't know that all of that is just due to time. I think the Academy has a a fair amount of self-inflicted wounds. I'll be honest with you. I've criticized the Academy for allowing people to drone on with really bad Mm -hmm. speeches, and... And here's what I realized over the last few years of covering this up close. Those speeches can come from anywhere. They can come from Joaquin Phoenix, and that yes. lead actor, or they can come from a Mad Max person just you know reading 20 names off of a mm-hmm. sweaty piece of uh, crumpled up paper <laughs> out of their very festive often feathered suit that they wore to the to said Oscars. Look at bad speeches could come from anywhere and we're going to kind of be aggravated with those and th- those those always come. I had a great time with the makeup and hairstyling recipients last year. Oh my god, my Rainey's Black Bottom that was historical, yeah. it was mm-hmm. emotional, it was incredible. And then we had short film speeches that we were on the record of best speech of the night yeah. came from the live action short film directors so this i don't know if this is the solution michael i don't know what the solution is to be honest i just Mm. if i have faith in anything (laughs) it's that i'm pretty sure the academy is going to bungle it because they have a tendency to have too many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to innovation and coming up with big ideas again we'll talk about it but all right what has what have some of the academy members been saying about this new rollout and this new idea so far Right, from Bill Desowitz's uh, piece in IndieWire, quote, one in range sound branch member is considering everything up to and including resigning from the cad- from the Academy. He said, I'm furious. It shows a complete lack of respect for the crafts. Okay. It's not an unfounded take. A lot of people have that same idea. It's a slap in the face. I said to you, the first thing I thought of is what a slap in the face it is, not only to the people in the crafts, sure, but like, what about the amazing people like Jazz Tanke who dedicate her life and their lives to covering the crafts and making you care about them. And you, now you're just saying that those won't be aired at all or there'll be, there'll be a pre-taped segment and stuff like that. I think that's a whole different form of disrespect as well. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and she she had some, some words for him mm-hmm. uh, on her Twitter yesterday. We, we liked those and retweeted those. And it is a shame because, like, we dedicate a lot of our programming to these categories sure. and if look we don't know to what degree they're going to be sidelined or shortened if they actually cut this thing together and they let it breathe that's what i think i'm hesitant to just slam them for michael because ann thompson made a lot of good points 
in uh, Screen Talk, where and in her article about this the day after, where she essentially is in a wait and see mode. Will they still honor these recipients and give them their quote unquote Oscars moments by allowing their speeches to play uh, during the live broadcast, even if they are pre-taped? Because this is something that the Tonys do. This is something that the well, the Critics' Choice has bungled even worse in the past. Mm-hmm. But this is something done if they handle it correctly it might work now that being said it's a bad look right now and you're gonna say another quote here from an academy member that it could could go sideways yeah it's a complete fiasco said one affected academy member of the decision it's another example of the academy bowing to the network there are a lot of very unhappy people that comes out of the feinberg article you alluded to ann thompson's article from indie wire uh it's shameful and appalling this is from the ann thompson article it's shameful and appalling wrote another publicist in an effort to get higher ratings they continue to devalue the awards alienating their core audience it's really sad call me old-fashioned but People who want to watch the Oscars want to watch all the Oscars, wrote one director's branch member. Quote, I don't know if any of these ideas will necessarily bring viewers back, so let the trend- tradition stand. Cutting the categories is not a good precedent to set, as showing people winning for best short score editing at all is what marks the show out from the Critics' Choice, People's Choice, or the Globes as they were. It's a celebration of all the guilds, the people behind the camera, as well as in front, and being on stage can be life-changing moments for the winner. Uh, so this is what makes it such a complicated issue is because that's all true. I don't disagree with a single sentiment there in that quote. The Oscars are these 23 awards. And look, are these necessarily sacred cows, every single one of these awards? No. We've seen them try to add the popular film Oscar in years past. We've seen them cut the sound category uh, from two to one. I- I'm-, I'm essentially paraphrasing big picture th- the other day and-, and how they phrased this. And, and it's true. Because the Oscars, as traditionalist as as they are, they have maneuvered. Now, do we want to see them add a stunt category? Yeah, we've been on the record mm-hmm. of that forever. We want a stunt branch and a stunt academy, uh, a stunt branch in the academy. Excuse me, because we know that's going to help the overall. It's going to help the overall group, and it's going to make uh, the Oscars even more relevant to give out more categories that could serve what this industry has become more of. It's become more of a, you know, a, a popular film industry, guys. We, we know this. We love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We cover the hell out of it. We cover the hell out of horror. We cover the hell out of action films. We grew up on these movies. We love these movies. We love these genres. Genre cinema has been sidelined at the Oscars forever. How do we know this? Because the first science fiction movie won a couple years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. Because the... The first fantasy film won in the 2010s. Star Wars did not win Best Picture. Mm -hmm. It was the biggest movie of that year. Rocky won over it. Are you kidding me? So look at this this branch again and again, and we love and hate the Oscars, Mike. We we just always have. Yeah. So this is not going to come with just a. I mean, we're just not going to be apologists about this group. So that's that's where we stand and. It's hard to trust them right now when they've been on a nosedive, and I think a lot of the branches are that way. And I think uh, you know the American Cinema Editors Board, the ACE, there. You know they said, "quote It sends a message that some creative disciplines are more vital than others. Nothing could be further from the truth, and all who make movies know this." That's from the Feinberg article. So the slight happening right now, the dis happening right now, the the, the inequality of this after. 
all of the measures towards equality that this this academy has yeah. taken, when the money's on the table, they throw all that out and they and they're just completely hypocritical about it all. I mean, look at the Oscars presented all twenty four, all twenty three, all categories for decades mm-hmm. and had the high ratings. They presented all twenty four and and the ratings declined, but the ratings declined kind of how other award shows to have declined we're going to get into it this is this is a bigger problem than just the flow of the show and that's what uh, the idea of it's it prioritizes some aspects of movie making over others is my first fear with this is that are the oscars gonna are the will the academy make an adjustment i fear that if they do all they're gonna do is take something like best editing and put that into the the regular show format and so we'll have seven awards that aren't shown instead of eight awards that aren't shown and that misses the mark entirely because all that's going to do is go along the lines of that thinking of okay editing should be shown because editing is a big important part of movie making process but hair and makeup and score and all that that's like that'll be the message that it sends or at least that'll be the message most people take out of it and i they're kind of working themselves into a corner here, the Academy is, and I don't know how they get out of it, and I certainly don't trust them to get out of, to, like, <laughs> navigate this <laughs> with deft touch, you know what I mean? Matt Donnelly's article on Variety did quote them to saying that they informed the 40 people at the, in the Zoom call that day that this decision was final, but... Like you're saying, we've we've heard scuttlebutt that maybe the maybe editing will come back. And you're right. Now now you're now you're just making this you're fanning the flames. You're making the situation worse. So I hope they I actually hope they don't do that. I I would just say do what they're gonna do at this point. Um, and 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 try and go back to the four proposed awards that were coming off of it a few years ago because they've tried to do this before 2018 they tried to do this we haven't said as much but we covered it back then they were gonna present uh 20 of the of the 24 and have four pre-taped kind of like this and there was a huge backlash from the academy at large never mind film twitter and they reversed their decision i I don't necessarily believe they're going to reverse their decision here but like you i could see them doing it maybe for one yeah, so adding like one category or two categories back into the main show will fix absolutely nothing. And this is very reminiscent is this problem to the female director problem that we keep talking about and harp so much time on because it is that important of an issue. It's that the the female director issue is a systemic issue. It's not a singular yeah. studio issue. The academy problem is a holistic approach to the show in the season. It's not a single show fix i mean we're gonna get into it that's pretty much the whole point of this episode that's at least my take on it but like it's such a complicated problem and so layered and so mired in history and is in such dire need of like this shake-up and revolution that anything you do on any one show i don't think is going to fix it anyway specifically because you have too many cooks in the kitchen that all need to agree on the changes in the first place now that being said if last year was a floor if last year was rock bottom, which we hope it was, and which I think you can make a case it was due to the pandemic and the, the slate of films, etc. You know, we've covered this ad nauseum for, for a myriad of reasons. This year should be stronger in terms of ratings yeah. regardless. So are, are they going to 
It was this something they've just always wanted to do, and now they're kind of seizing the moment to do it and make it the new normal. And then no matter what happens, they can just say, see, we've gained 3 million viewers. We're back up to 13 million, 12 million. Well, if, I, I think if you're not close to 20 million, you got a huge problem. I mean, look, if you're going to hide behind last year, like we have to do this because last year's ratings were such a decline, I, I think that's like borderline cowardice, if not just ultimately convenience. Because, like, yeah, no shit last year was going to be in the tank for ratings. Like, you lost 60% of your viewing audience last year in the middle of a pandemic when the show was delayed multiple times. The most notable movie of the year was one about a group of people living in RVs that not a lot of people had access to. And not only did all of us lose Black Panther, but you couldn't even figure out the way to honor him properly. Like, how unforeseen that last year's show would have been such a ratings tanker. That's that's yeah. a little much for me to take. That said, to your point, if the ratings this year don't claw back to like 20 million viewers, then you got a huge problem on your hands. And last year, I think, would suggest might have killed a lot of the Oscars viewing audience, which I don't think will be the case. I appreciate you taking the standards and, and redoing them. That That is that is wise. I, I agree with that. I think for years it was mid-20s, right? It was mid-20s, and then there's been a precipitous decline every year uh, because of cord cutting uh, mm-hmm. in many cases. And this has just been an industry-wide, and when I say industry, it's the broadcast television industry-wide problem over the past decade where and we've seen it accelerate with the pandemic where these ratings have all fallen off a similar cliff for the Grammys and the Emmys. So it's not just an Oscars problem. So Ann Thompson had, had a wise point in, in her piece saying, quote, now equipped with sophisticated tune-in, tune-out data from ABC, the Academy is trying to change the narrative along with its uh, precipitous ratings decline by making a change. It's threatened for years. This is... This is using some analytics probably from the last few shows. And, and look, we, we know this every year. Mm-hmm. We know these these Oscars go long. But I don't know. I, I just I, I got some quick stats. The Oscars were at 46 million in 2000. They, they did uh, 42 million in 2005, 37 million in 2011. And it's dropped a couple million a year essentially after that or every few years 2016 it was 34 million uh 2019 29 million 2020 23 million ish final ratings this is via wikipedia and then last year kind of nosedived just like the grammys just like the emmys under 10 million 9.8 there so that's what the oscars are up against and again i think using that 9.8 number versus the 23 million that watched in 2020 like i think that's way too convenient like there was a ton of context that suggested going into last year's show that it was going to be a ratings disaster and i i I don't want to hear about the ratings but that said abc you know they did invest a huge amount of money to show this this show for the next decade or so so yeah they you gotta be concerned like it is a show in decline now is it a show in decline because of people's lack of interest or is it a show in decline because of cord cutting or is it a show in decline because you haven't you failed to adapt to the cord cutting. I think those are all different questions worthy of investigation. Right. If you put the show live on YouTube and had all the ads being sold, 
by other people, maybe. I don't know. But if you put the show live, live on YouTube or live on Netflix, they don't do that. That's such, a, that's such an easy fix. Right. It, but they can even easily fix it within Hulu and their own yes. family. Hulu and yes. Disney+. Plus. Uh, why this is not available day of to live stream on Hulu in 2022 I mean, my God, if nothing else, you'd have a whole new set of numbers that you could break in and then lie about or at least obfuscate like Netflix does with all of their releases anymore. The mouse should be in for this because I I know they're trying to and I'm sure they have people at ABC and the networks there trying to keep everything alive and everything in play and not kind of kill one branch to to save the other in a way or or to, to boost the other. I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, the fact that Hulu is is putting it up the next day, and I, and they, I know they got live TV, but it, essentially that's just cable. Hulu offers you cable mm-hmm. for seventy bucks a month, uh, and you or ninety bucks a month it might be if you wanted to go that route instead of having cable. Look, I, I think series broadcasts have gone down precipitously since twenty eleven. They've been in you know twenty one down to seventeen million for Sunday Night Football, American Idol, thirty one down to twenty two million the decade before that. We have Super Bowl ratings going down, Mike. And like I said, the other award shows, I looked up all stats for all of these. They've all been going down kind of on a similar trajectory. Now, there are outliers within those, like the 2012 Grammy show uh, was in the top 10 award show of the past decade. They had almost 40 million viewers. It had a collision of a lot of viewer-friendly, or at least viewer-intriguing events leading up to it. I mean, in that show, specifically for the Grammys, you had Adele being Adele that year and winning her six mm-hmm. Grammys, I think, off her second or third album. Whitney Houston just unfortunately passed away the day prior to the Grammy ceremony. Yeah. That certainly helped. So, I mean, I guess, you know, someone just has to kill Bradley Cooper on March 26th and the oh, Academy's Jesus. problems are answered. I, I, I don't even care. That's fine. It was an inappropriate joke, and I'm sticking by it. Um, but, <laughs> but there's also, like, the last... The award shows that have done best, and this can go to the Oscars too, which had a great year in 2014. They had a, a spike in viewership of 40-something million people tune in. It's probably not so coincidentally that that was also the last year that cable was at its highest, and you had these viewer-friendly, these casual consumer-friendly movies in the major slots. I mean, the 2014 right. award show... 2014, I think, was the last great year in cinema, or at least it was the last great Oscars year for casual viewers because the best picture field that year had 12 years a slave kind of a niche movie, but it did beat out gravity, which was the eighth highest grossing film that year American hustle, which say what you want about the movie now, but then it was highly praised on the backs of a cast that people really loved universally. Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro, even Louis CK. And again, I stress then those were all universally likable people. Wolf of Wall Street was in the Best Picture conversation that year, which is considered by some to be Scorsese's best movie since Goodfellas. And it was also had this hopeful coronation of Leo winning his first Oscar. But of course, he would have to wait three more years because he was beaten out by Matthew McConaughey, another person that people love and is a beloved actor. And Dallas Buyers Club was also in the Best Picture race that year and not in the field of Best Picture was the highest grossing film of that year which was Frozen, which itself was being coronated in multiple categories. So the Academy kind of struck oil in a lot of ways, and I think that's the story of how the Oscars do get the casual viewer. 
you you have to have this kind of happenstance of these pictures going at each other that have the biggest names in Hollywood, the most likable names in Hollywood attached, and it's movies everyone has seen and has had access to. I don't know that streaming affords that. So I I mean like nobody is rushing to see Nomadland, right? So you brought up a lot of interesting points. I I do think this year fit fits. I do think this year fits that paradigm from 2014 more than the last few. Well, at least the last year, let's just say, because we do have some hits, some bona fide hits in our best picture lineup this year with Don't Look Up on Netflix getting ridiculous viewership, mm-hmm. uh, even if you're calculating in hours or parsecs or whatever <laughs> they do over there, uh, fart licks. Uh, right. I, you have a big hit and don't look up. I think The Power of the Dog was a big, big hit on Netflix uh, based on their top tens, if you can believe them. I know you and Amanda are wearing Tim Foyle hats on that one, maybe. But I, I think you can say that probably a lot of people watched these Netflix films. And then you have something like Dune that did very well at the box office. And judging by the HBO Max subscriber numbers, I mean that could be your gravity this year. And I think you do have, you do have some of these hard-lined films, these crowd-pleasing films, like you mentioned, within our best picture field that are going to be widely available to people with big stars vying for their first Oscars like a Will Smith, Mm -hmm. etc. So, look, I think this is an intriguing Oscars. I really do. So maybe they're looking at this, Mike, and maybe they're saying, all right, we we got some good momentum here. We got to go kind of more to the middle and go more mainstream and try and assure that this works otherwise we're all getting fired and nobody will love us <laughs> i don't know i th- i think they're they're in trouble they know they're in trouble they know their jobs are on the line yeah i i think the show the show as it stands and as we know the oscar show is in trouble i i, I agree with that i i think it's a combination of multiple things though and i don't again i don't think it's going to be fixed by just putting in more comedic bits and by the way, I don't trust the brain trust of the Academy to ace these comedic bits anyway. Right. Because we've seen them flop. <laughs> I mean, can you can you name what's your favorite scripted comedic bit from the last 10 years? Can you name three? Look, last year's uh, Lil Rel and Glenn Close bit had me laughing. Okay, hard. that was good. Uh, I agree. That was one. I, I thought it was genius when they wrote uh, La La Land winning and then Moonlight <laughs> right. won instead. Well, that's, that was that's brilliant. That's what I mean, Mike. Like, the most talked about things in Oscars <laughs> history happen organically. Like, nine times out of ten, they're things that are completely out of the Academy's control anyway. So all the Academy should be tasked with doing, I think, is setting the stage for those types of things to happen. And to best do that would be to include the biggest and most seen movies of the year in the biggest categories. Which, then you have to make a decision on the Academy level. Like, is is the money the Oscar for Spider-Man No Way Home? Or is the Oscars the Oscar for Spider-Man No Way Home? Like, do you want that the Marvel viewer to come back? Do you want a chance of grabbing the 18 to 25 demo? Because if you do, you're going to have to include movies like that. I'm angrier at the Academy for excluding other movies than Spider-Man No Way Home. As much as I love that film. House of Gucci is uh, what you're talking about? Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, is it my my mouth stopped working. No, look it. I think 
Spider-Man No Way Home was very good. Did I expect that to be an Oscar best picture contender even after I watched okay, it? Okay, but why times? not? Why did you why did you not expect it? Because be? it's not the the high stakes movie that you think. There's this multiverse of madness problem which who knows what that is so you it's didn't expect it to be best picture irregardless of how the academy thought about gabris gabris kind of put it the right way it's about three kids trying to get into mit the stakes are not necessarily all that high <laughs> it's just but it's that's a big pro- look i mean that's a relatable problem to the 18 to 24 demo do you sure. want casual viewers or not? like i'm not i'm not trying to die on the hill of being so miffed and pissed off that spider-man no way home didn't get in the best picture field but like this is the type of stuff, if you truly care about ratings, which again, I it's one of I think I've said this sentence more than any other sentence in the history of MMO. We know the Academy cares about ratings. They may be the last people too, but yeah. they still equate TV ratings to money, which is so such an antiquated idea at this point and is a bigger problem with the Academy and why I don't trust their decision making in the first place. But regardless, yeah. since you do care that much about ratings and TV ratings and traditional uh, Nielsen ratings at this point, you got to make some concessions somewhere. You need a branch of stump people for sure. That's a part of the solution. I agree here with that. To change because you, you, if you get all those gearheads and meatheads into the academy, and I, I use those terms lovingly, I'm I'm one of mm-hmm. those two, or at least I used to be. I pretend to be. I I'm, advocated I'm, for Bradley Cooper's murder earlier, so you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have an academy that is uh, is not necessarily going for these movies, and I think if you have more representatives in the academy from these movies it's the same problem with the i mean they've been backpedaling for years now they've just been putting out fires for years now because in 2015 it was oscar so white we're only five years Mm -hmm. away from a catastrophic racist f up Mm -hmm. that's where we were coming in and then they have and then they have 2016 with the Moonlight debacle, La La Land debacle. Where that might have been the best thing to happen to the Oscars in the last 10 years, to be honest. But it's still egg on the face sure. of the show. And that, look, and that's, okay, why? Why is it egg on the face of the show? It, 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 the answer to that is because part of what the Academy wants to do is hold themselves in this yeah. F in high regard, this holier-than-thou position where their noses are just up each other's backsides and look how important we are, except yeah. that most of the organic comedic bits that happen are at the denigration of that idea anyway, which only hurts the eyes of the prestige and the perception of the prestige of the event and the casual viewer's eyes anyway. Which fake is fake mocking own, themselves. Right, right, which is its own issue. And like... They want to walk this tightrope, and it's something I've said to you a couple times. Like They want to walk this tightrope between being that self-conflagulation and look how important we are and we're all snooty and they want to be hilariously funny and cool and hip and appealing to a younger demographic and they want to be look how viral we can go and we want to we want to be broadly uh lovable enough and universally beloved enough to with what we do to where we can go viral and a lot of people see what we do you cannot walk a tightrope between three places it doesn't work you're gonna fall i I, I probably agree with you on on the overall point of that. It's, it's it makes sense. However, movies try and do ten different things and serve ten different masters all the time. And the Oscars have had to serve a lot of different masters. A little bit for this part of the audience, a little bit for that part of the audience. I mean that that's what they do, uh, and the the movies represent that because have they ever done that parts- success? Have they have they had a show that was funny, viral, and snooty? I think you know Billie Eilish being there and nominated and 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 
you know, at the Oscars presenting is a, an outreach to a younger audience from a couple years ago. She had that great hair and she gave looks okay, that fair. Uh, terrify me. For, but they, they, they look at I, I, in macro in a macro sense, you're right. In a micro sense, I do. Th- I don't. Th- I think it's more complex than that necessarily because. And I'll just use a general uh, explanation to explain my my micro sense right now. Look, I I think they have to put on a good show. So if this works, and if people if people are still honored at the end of it, maybe they're trying to hang their hat on just putting on a show that works. Now they have hosts. They have three. They have kind of a structure that it looks like they're buying into they have genuine comedians involved both in front of the camera and behind the camera they're gonna end with best picture there's a, <laughs> there's novel a chance there's a they and they got the goods in terms of the movies even though they don't have the they don't have spider-man no way home as this year's titanic necessarily mike i mean i agree i i would prefer if spider-man no way home was here i would prefer if spider-man no way home had a sound vfx uh plus a, a stunt nomination and it had four nominations going into the day and that would be that would be awesome because i think it was deserving it's just a well-composed film even though it's not it's not that necessary of a movie it's just kind of popcorn entertainment that's what it is but it's really it's really well done popcorn entertainment. So I don't know, I'm starting to ramble here, but I think that it's if they hang their hat on an Oscars show that just flows well and works and they execute it, I wonder how the academy looks at 20 plus million ratings again like you're saying if they, if they get back up to there and see i'm thinking of well, the other side now I'm, I'm my thought my first thought when you said that is what happens if they do have a well-executed critically acclaimed show and then 10 million people tune in yeah it's not it's it's not gonna work and then everybody's gonna just outcry that they just should have stayed with the right. base and stay but it's not just the base it's not just the base that that tunes in for the oscars we've had how many of these things broadcast on live television that want to Watch the whole thing, and want to discover movies, and want to watch the shorts. Well, you gotta give re- you gotta wanna- give those millions of people a reason to be that invested, though. And like, like the Oscars wants to be the Super Bowl, except they don't want they don't have the regular season, they don't have the playoffs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and maybe that's an answer. Maybe they need a halfway point show where they have you know John Hamm sitting in front of a camera like Siskel and Ebert yeah. used to, instead of bitching about not being in any Apple TV products, maybe it's him setting the stage for the upcoming big Oscar players. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. It's totally it's totally an unorganized season. And I know the ecosystem of it all is that the critics go to the eventually to the guilds, which eventually go to the academies, etc. And before that's all the film festivals, etc. We know this. We've covered the shit out of it, guys. But it's not organized. It's unorganized. It's not a regular season. Well, no, like you're no, nobody's serving the same master. And this is part of the problem you've brought up a couple times too, with having to deal with precursor shows. It's like nobody, none of those precursor shows are concerned with setting the table for the Oscars. Which right. maybe this should be a coherent effort. And, and you know what? Maybe Netflix of all people are taking the first step in that with what they did with the Can uh, investment of forty five million dollars going into to Can uh, next year, and how they're going to be a player in the film festival circuit again, at least starting with Can. Sure. Maybe they could start doing that. I think we're going to get a, a fairly unpredictable season, truthfully. This year? I, I, as much, yeah, as much as, 
and if not this year, the next year, if this if this framework holds, I think they're starting at least this year. It's kind of set up to potentially be up in the air. Like we could potentially get something. And I'm sure the, I'm jinxing the hell out of power of the dog, just sweeping and taking everything right now when I say this. <laughs> but the way this season was built. How did Jane Campion win best sound? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The way the season was built, Mike, I mean, we have things out of whack. We have things out of order. We don't have the same kind of vetting. And I think that showed up with the nominations in in ways that could be predicted and could not. And I think it's it could still show up with this precursor season. We could be in for some surprises. So they have some of the goods built back in. This would be much better if, like Scott Feinberg told us in the last Feinberg final, if these precursors didn't somewhat undercut the Oscars at times and a lot and that of them was, take. Yeah. And, and that's where I'm away. going. Like, so, okay. Even if we do have these big upsets, like I, Andrew Garfield wins and he beats out Will Smith and Benedict Cumberbatch. Like, th- th- does anyone care? Is that enough to, to bring in anyone who's not already watching the Oscars? Well, I think if someone like Garfield, who's beloved, uh, and, and and he goes much beyond the, those 10 million people watching the Oscars, beloved. Like, he's such a super-duper star at this particular moment in time that if he got a surprise win, that would probably go viral. And if it was a huge surprise... Maybe. So I, I mean, do... yeah. It, it, it's certainly a better chance of... I mean, the worst-case scenario for that is Cumberbatch winning, only for the sake of... I mean, Will Smith is a guy that a lot of... You know, for that type of thing although cumberbatch obviously is in the mcu so maybe it he has legs i don't know dude they could totally use a fun and exciting oscars this year and academy members if you're listening right now that could mean a coda that could mean something fun winning even a dune a dune would be a a breath of fresh air jane campion just punched her radio right now listening to this yeah but look at it most so did andrew uh, of the (laughs) nomcast but I, i mean maybe maybe the power of the dog makes a comeback whatever it is to have an exciting season coming up is not just good for our but podcast. But what is selfishly. so so excitement though? I agree with you, except that I think they undercut what could be exciting by the way they think about these films. Right, and that's and, and like the, the problem. The yeah. problem to me with all of this is the brain trust of the Academy, because they set the tone for what movies should be considered historically, and then if you're talking about how they need to be innovative. I'm sorry I'm speaking so despairingly and disappointingly and like, but where is the proof that they know how to be innovative when it comes to the show itself? And they know how to draw in casual viewers by anything other than organic happenstance of the film year. I I think if this show works well, they could be on the rise again and they could seize the streaming viewerships at, at, at a certain point. And I think the, the ability for them to just go live on Hulu and Disney Plus and ABC, uh, that's that should be simpler than people make it out to be. But they have, right? but so, it's, but it's like they can't even do that. Like they, but it's twenty twenty two. They could sure. Like if this shows promise again, they should. I I completely agree, and I think a lot of people would completely agree. Why the hell is it not live on Hulu yet, or Disney Plus, or anything? What are we talking about? Why? I'm sure it has to do with contractual with ABC somehow, which makes no sense to me considering they all are under the same umbrella of network. Right. But it's such a non... I mean, we had Amanda 
on this show, on our show, talking about how she doesn't even think she'll be able to watch the Oscars because she's a cord cutter and a lot of people her age are the same way and she's going to look for the clips online, on YouTube and stuff like, make that, you know you're up against that. You Cable has fallen more, I mean, the pandemic enabled people to cut cords at a more accelerated rate year to year than any yeah. other year prior. More people have let left cable behind and traditional television behind going into 2022 than any year previous like you have to address that those are where your casual viewers are and i know the arguments out there well don't worry about the casual viewer you're never going to get them back i don't necessarily believe that i think there are a chunk of i mean it's like a a presidential election there's going to be a chunk of voters where if you say something intriguing enough or promise something intriguing enough they're going to be on the fence between not voting or voting for you and you're going to be able to pull some of those people in it, that's just the nature of humanity and curiosity. I, I do agree. And I think if you had more casual movies in here, you'd, you'd bring them back yeah, that way as well. And that, that's, that's shown to happen. And it's just that's, that's obvious. Now, does that mean you, you change your entire programming of the show to, to fit and to fit those people? I don't necessarily think that's the wisest move either. So, I mean, Scott's words about the show being for the 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 true fans is it, it should still fly to a degree because I do think that you know they they can only do so much, Mike. I mean, this is an award show. You're giving out 23 awards. That's what this is. Well, that's why I'm terrified too because they clearly. I mean, it, my interpret. I don't know what yours is. My interpretation of what the Academy said is that the awards are going to be important for the above the line stuff. Otherwise, we're okay with the stuff that's not universally and more casually known taking a backseat because we want to go. We want attempts to go viral. We want attempts to do comedic bits, which, I mean, again, I ask, what are your favorite comedic bits of all time? The, the, what are the favorite sketched out things that the Academy has done from a written perspective that you just, that landed with you? Because, like, the Ellen selfie is probably the number one answer, which... Yeah. Uh, it was polarizing in its own right, but at least it did its job of going viral and people remember it for better or worse. I, I think there's also another issue of politicization and the elitism, like you're you're talking about. Sasha Stone wrote quite the piece covering all this. That's a whole nother conversation to be had where, you know, you get movies like Vice just kind of ostracizing half of the country and the fact that it's even there just kind of shuts the door on a lot of view- viewers that, that left and they will never come back because they've just been insulted being on the other side of the ticket. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point. It used to be a much more civilized debate, we think, we hope. Well, maybe so did I'm the country. Idealistic. Yeah, but maybe I'm being idealistic. Yeah. Maybe it always was. Politics is politics. Always, It's always been nasty. But I, I we, you know, again, we kind of looked at Mank and all nodded our heads at that. But I think this is a complicated problem. It's not just a simple fix of, Absolutely you know, making not. this, making more jokey, jokey stuff and more room for the clips and more room for the, like all of that may help. It, it may, it may help the flow of the show, but you're also enraging a lot of the true fans and, and, and disappointing us. You're disappointing. Like, I want to see uh, a lot of this stuff go down, and I don't want to have it leaked beforehand because there's a lot of incidentals now, Mike. Like, are these things going to get leaked on Twitter? Of course they are. You think so? I mean, SAG did a hell of a job. We thought, sure, SAG was going to be leaked, and they did a hell of a job of tightening their lips last year. 
I think I think the freaking uh, bellhop on the in the uh, hotel across the street is going to know who won film editing. And even before. then, I guess my question would be: even then, if 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 hair and makeup gets leaked, does it really matter? Like, I think we're we might be diametrically opposed on this issue in that, mm-hmm. and this is insidious on my part, but I'm a I come from a land of pro wrestling, and this is what I know they do. The hardcore fans are going to watch regardless of what you do. Like, they'll, you can, and it's not right, but you can shovel a lot of shit into the hardcore fans and not lose them at the expense. I mean, the WWE is doing it and have been doing it for the last 10 years and they still have people watching. Like, you can, you can insult the hardcore fans by catering more to the casual viewer and it can work for you financially and monetarily. There's also the Bernie bro Biden stuff, though. You know, I mean, you can you could push people out. Sure. I mean, this this move could this move could push people out. They could push them out of the academy, push them out of the they just not want they could just write off the Oscars. Now, this is just the last straw. Yeah, it's it's definitely I mean, that's absolutely a possibility. I tend to think, though, and this is not I mean, I'm not saying, you know. I said it to you in a text last night, and I was joking about it. Like, they should just troll the hardcore viewers because they're not going to lose them. But, like, there is, I think when it comes to escapism and when it comes to your hobby and something you've been obsessed with to get your mind off of reality for years, I think if you are that invested in something, there is a – you will put up with a lot because of nostalgia, if nothing else, because of what it's meant to you. It's possible. And it's – truthfully, it's if Dune's going to win those four out of five awards – and other than the three shorts, there's Dune being favored in Vegas, four of those five awards, with the lone exception of makeup and hair, where the eyes of Tammy Faye is, is favored. So does that necessarily undercut the rest of the broadcast if Dune does well there? I don't know. If the power of the dog does well there, then we're kind of going to know where things are going uh, in these five awards. If, if there's an upset towards a Belfast in there, if there's an upset – towards a best picture contender, you know, we could, we could gain a sense. And that's what Ann Thompson was talking about. Kind of the flow of the show being in, in the, in kind of the race of, uh, you know, the last sprint to the finish line that we kind of love to watch every year. And we can read those signs that may be disrupted this year. I wonder too, when it comes to voting within the Academy, what the Academy's response to this is going to be. Are they going to say, well, fine, if you're going to ostracize our branches, we're going to vote for the above the line stuff to be so super niche that nobody could care. Like not, not that nobody could care about it, but like that nobody could, you know, we're, we're going to have huh. backlash to this where we're not going to West side story has no chance now. You know what I mean? Or yeah, they'll vote for the best editing, <laughs> best edited film to win the Oscar. Yeah. Cause the editing's not being portrayed. I, I do want to say a misnomer about editing though. Like, one out of the last 10 years, editing's lined up with the Best Picture winner. I think that stat is much more aligned with the Best Picture winner being nominated Nominated, there. A lot of pundits are talking about editing as kind of this obvious uh, signifier. 42% of the time, editing aligns with Best Picture every time. So if that's your stat, then it's the Sex Panther. Mm-hmm. That being said, if Power of the Dog wins editing, it's winning Best Picture because it's not favored in Vegas. Right. <laughs> so any any stats I would bring up make no sense. But <laughs> if you go back in time, there was editing runs where four years in a row, three years in a row, four out of five editing did line up. Uh, maybe that. Maybe this is where you draw people into. Like maybe you just have the John Hamm special be a week before the Oscars, and he's just talking all gambling lines. Like, there's, there's ways you can be innovative. I just don't trust the Academy to do any of them. 
Well, here's I also don't trust the Academy changing kind of what works with their red carpet show. We've seen like featured guests on the red carpet coming through late, fashionably late, but also deliberately late, Mm -hmm. like some of the biggest A-listers walking through, getting their interviews right there with Clayton, etc., right at the last minute for reasons to put them on in that power half hour right before the show starts, which is when most people are watching the red carpet. So the the planned last-minute walk-ins, are they still going to be walking in last minute, or is that going to be pre-taped as well? Like, because Feinberg has been covering it. Like, whether all the guests will be seated in the theater or, or still on the red carpet for this earlier presentation wasn't clear. Which is its Ann own Thompson, slap in the face to the winners. I mean, they're going to be giving speeches to an empty auditorium. Ann Thompson talked about seat fillers being involved with this. There's always an employment of seat fillers. Mm-hmm. How do we get that job? Let's get it. We volunteer. Uh, Excuse me, Mr. Nicholson. I need to sit here. <laughs> Beat it, pal. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, Ruggs. Hi, Mr. Cooper. Yeah, I advocated for your murder a couple. No, I let me. By the way, that was a joke. I just like I don't think joke. I need to clarify that. But obviously, I wish Bradley Cooper nothing but happiness and healthiness, and he's going to outlive me anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, God willing, uh, <laughs> just get getting worse. I think uh, I think Clayton Davis nailed it. The Academy should be focusing on simpler changes that could lead to wins for all parties involved. Uh, why not stream live? on Hulu or Disney Plus. That's the simplest and, and the, the most obvious, and he, he nailed it on the head there. Uh, I, I think that's the, the clearest. Fix, though. That's like, yeah, obviously that's the clearest fix because it's something that should have happened five years ago. Yeah, they're, that's why they're out of date. They Whatever, if it's, if it's legal issues, I, I still don't get what's the downside for Disney. Like, do they really think the Oscars are holding up this revenue stream of ABC? And there's this is ABC's revenue stream is built on all the money we're spending on the Oscars, and they're spending a lot through 2028, right? Yeah. And Hulu's got their own thing. Like Hulu and Disney Plus are growing like crazy. We don't have to worry about them. We're worried about ABC. You know. Yeah, but you can't have it both ways. Like, do you care about the ratings or not? Do you care about as many people watching as possible, or don't you? Like, TV isn't the answer anymore. It hasn't been the answer for a decade. Well, that's what's scary about this. Right. Like the mouse, I agree. The mouse could be letting this institution of the Oscars die or be sacrificed uh, in favor of, all right, we're not going to we're not going to bring this mess to Hulu or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll leave it on the sinking ship, ship of broadcast television, which is how much is it sinking? I don't know. Like you said, if this does 20 million this year. Or fifth, even if it went back up to fifteen, I'm sure they're going to be happier, right? I mean, they're going to see it as a win. I don't know. I would think. I don't know. I don't know what the magic number is. I. I, I they're they're obviously concerned. I mean, they're obviously concerned about this being a sinking ship within the academy and and without. So and they have a mandate, Mike. They have a mandate to go get those other viewers. That's what's very clear. Like, they don't give a F, any Fs, about pissing off all of us on film Twitter, all of the hardcore fans. They don't care. Because, again, I'll be honest with you. We want them to present all 23. Like, just make it interesting. Have the fun comedy bits leading into these presentations. Coach these people up so that these these uh, speeches aren't terrible. And I've even had some suggestions about, you know, how to pre-record some acceptances mm-hmm. down the... I mean, whatever. 
you want them to have their Oscars moment. You want that Oscars moment to be live because, again, this is a reality show. It is a reality show. It is. It always has been. It's like one of the original reality shows. The unscripted stuff, the stuff that just happens on the fly, the stuff that they can't plan, like you're saying, even with that Moonlight moment that we keep joking about, that stuff does make it more thrilling as a viewing experience. Yeah, and yet when it's left up to the devices of the Academy... When they do have their backs against the wall and they feel like they need to innovate, we get something like the fan-favorite Oscar choice announcement, which is right. something that's going to be a reality for this year's show. This this is kind of silly. And it's it's already blowing up in their faces, it seems. What a shock. Like we, have, we have some films that are up for it, like Cinderella. Who wa- really watched Cinderella? Or Minamata? Are you kidding me? Johnny Depp is playing an Asian guy. Mm-hmm. Are you effing kid? Like this movie was buried, buried because it's offensive. You have Zack Snyder's Justice League and fans being disappointed because it's not eligible. You have Tick Tick Boom as the only option mentioned in this uh, this piece. I believe it's by Rebecca Keegan, and she wisely just kind of went through some possibles possibilities and the fact that Bot Farms, all right, Bot Farms can't be really in play here because you know, you have to have your account live for so long with ten followers. Twenty four hours. Twenty four hours and ten right, followers. But, what are we? What? <laughs> Those yeah, are the standards it, for voting. You think it'd be a little more airtight in terms of the. Uh, like, this is what I'm talking about, man. This is exactly what I'm talking about. This is the innovation that we can we can count on from the Academy. People's Choice criticisms are also in play. But the People's Choice criticisms get me aggravated because it's like, all right, they're just going to announce something they did on Twitter. Like, don't get, get, get your nose out of the air. Like, this is what people get mad at about the elitism. Let the fans have a fan vote. But all right. Fine, I'll say that out of one side of my mouth and then out of the other side of my mouth. What if they pick a totally different film that just, you know, characterizes how far away they are? Like Spider-Man. My take when I heard this was not like one of, I mean, yes, there was the trolling aspect of that. And that I, when I put online, it's like the Sanjaya thing from American Idol from years ago, because I expected that to happen. That's exactly what has happened. But my take on this, for the this People's Choice Oscar is that it's not a terrible idea in concept. I just know the execution is going to be messed up because the Academy is not good at this shit. <laughs> They're not good at this. They're not good at this stuff. No, and they have they have no track record, recent track record, to be able to hang their hat on like we keep saying. Just outsource the freaking show to Jimmy Fallon. Just do it. You want to be Jimmy Fallon anyway. I loathe that program, but people watch it. It has all the virality that's in it. He's he's got he's in tight enough with enough A-list celebrities to make them do silly things like karaoke and different bits and get pies in their face and splash Ryan Reynolds with water. Like, just do that. You want to be Jimmy Fallon's show anyway, so high, outsource it to Jimmy Fallon. Well, that's the, what they've done for years, just not Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel, right? I mean... It's been a part of kind of the late night TV broadcast family uh, more times than not. And, you know, the ratings were still declining with Fallon, uh, with uh, Kimmel. Yeah, but F- Kimmel, I mean, as much as I love Kimmel and prefer Kimmel, he's still, and I understand it's an ABC thing. Like, you're right. right you're, making all, you're making all those points. But the difference is that Kimmel is, has always been a distant third in, in the late night ratings, for one. And for two, Fallon's show 
since its inception, was built on doing the things that the Academy's letter said they want to do and were focused on. That's what the that's what Fallon Show was built on. So, like, if that's what you want to be, that's cool, man. Hire those people. Is James Corden on ABC? Like, I don't even know he's, this. I, this is the other problem. Oh, is that no, you know, he's on CBS. He's a late, late show. Who, who else is on ABC? ABC is just Kimmel. Oh, okay, never mind. I was going to say, like, if Cats didn't happen, would James Corden right. be the host right now? Probably. Oh, God. Uh, that was a joke that could have been, but never was. <laughs> and shouldn't even mention it. All right. I mean, as if they didn't have enough problems, we got the vaccination requirements at the Oscars and the story there where the Academy intends to require just a negative PCR test or a negative rap- rapid antigen test on the day of the event, unlike the SAG Awards, unlike the Critics' Choice Awards, which will require, require proof of vaccination. I what what the fuck ever. I don't I don't think anyone knows what's going on with COVID uh, protocols anymore. The idea that we're in this world where like you can you can show proof of vaccination, but if you're not vaxxed, you're okay. Makes no sense to me. I, I don't whatever. I don't know. I don't have a take. They want Van Morrison to sing to the old people. <laughs> Great. That's what they want. And I don't mind Van Morrison singing. I don't. I love, I like that song. Bradley Cooper but, should sing instead again. Every year should be Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga singing. They should just open the show singing. <laughs> Much as that as we can get. He, he needs to live, Mike. He needs to live <laughs> for that reason alone. Uh, we got some honest to God awards news for, a ha- for 30 seconds yeah. here. Do you, are we ready to move? I can be less upset about this, so that's something. <laughs> The Set Decorators Society of America Awards picked their winners, Michael. So, of course, what a transition, as always, <laughs> by me. We <laughs> Look, we have production design being kind of the set decorators and the art directors. You got two guilds for them now. This is a recent development, I believe. Uh, but they also have the Critics' Choice and BAFTA Production Designs Awards. Look, I think production design's fairly open. You got Dune in the lead uh, in Vegas, but there are some other Oscar nominees that are right behind it with Nightmare Alley, West Side Story, Macbeth, and Power of the Dog. But Mank won this award last year, Michael, and we do have Dune taking home a set design guild win this year. Yeah. How much did the, did these winners tell us necessarily? Being the Ricardos, No Time to Die, and the French Dispatch are the other three winners, but they did beat out other Oscar nominees in their fives. Yeah, as far as production design goes, what I've been harping on forever is that weird correlation between what happens at the Critics' Choice in this category of all Precursor Awards show and how they're mm. eerily right most times when it comes to the Oscars in this one specific category. But it is nice to see that there is this correlation between SDSA as well. Uh, like you said, some of the big names being the Ricardos, one for period, that beat out Gucci, Pizza, Nightmare, Dog, which are... All Oscar noms themselves, Dune won, Power of the Dog won Best Picture at the set designers. So, you know, there's there's stuff there. I can I can not be upset about this. We cannot be upset about something. <laughs> so that's good. So we'll wait and see uh, if the art directors go in a different direction than Dune. Otherwise, uh, we'll, we'll wait for the crit. It's a big day on the 13th of March, Mike, with the, the Critics' Choice and the Baptist. Yeah. What a day to put two award shows. Great job, right. Critics' Choice. A+. plus. <laughs> Michael, can you make the case for a couple of movies that you've seen recently? I'd like to do the same real quick. You've seen Kimmy by Steven Soderbergh, and you watched Being the Ricardos, finally. I am so beyond done with Steven Soderbergh. 
You didn't like it. A lot of people like. I don't like talking bad about filmmakers in general, but I think Steven Soderbergh is my sworn enemy. It's you've turned on him. You've turned heel on because you've liked him. I have. I've loved some of his stuff, but I, yeah, this movie it didn't do it for me. I was bored uh-huh. by it. It seemed so contrived and shoehorned, and so like the worst case scenario of this like modern day apocalyptic event, which it's yeah. All right. We know the machines are going to kill us all one day. We get that. It, it, it just seems so forced and contrived. Just stick to like unsane man. Like what's wrong with traffic and Aaron Brockovich and like that stuff. You don't have to do these Meryl Streep on a boat movies or what was the one last year? That was just that gangster movie. Yeah, it was uh, No Mercy or Mercy, No Mercy. I believe. Uh, I need. I, I need Mercy. I, I would like. He's some had an mercy. HBO Max. He's had an HBO Max phase. So the less I say about Kimmy, probably the better. Being the Ricardos, I could not keep my eyes off it, and it's like one of two films this year <laughs> that I could not tear away from. I absolutely loved it. It's not a perfect film by any stretch of the imagination, but I could not understand after finally seeing it the uh, outcry of. Why is J.K. Simmons nominated? He was great. I know he was he the was comedic great. relief, yeah. but he was outstanding in his role, I thought. I totally understand the uh, the Nicole Kidman nom, and I understand the Nicole Kidman favoritism. If there's anyone that was nominated from this that I would be a little hesitant or perplexed by, it would be Javier Bardem. And it would be because of the controversy that should be. Like, they made such a big deal about Desi being a Cuban, and Bardem is not a Cuban playing arguably one of, I mean, inarguably one of the most famous Cubans of all time, maybe arguably the most famous Cuban of all time. And that plays such an important role within the script itself. It's baffling to me how that has been just forgotten about or overlooked or whatever. But regardless of that controversy, that should be being the Ricardos was really good. I thought it was a really, really good movie. I gave it a B plus. You know, who's not Italian, Mike Jared Leto. Well, depends how much prosthesis you put on him. Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, no, it's a time. I'm taking that. Obviously, it's a much more serious situation with uh, underrepresented groups. Uh, I just wanted to take another shot at my co-host here. And that won't be the last Jared Leto shot I take at him this episode. What did you give being the Ricardos? I forget. Yeah. I liked it eventually, begrudgingly. You had to kind of drag me kicking and screaming because the first watch I wasn't a huge fan. It was a rough watch on the big screen when I saw it. And then I kind of got home later on, a couple weeks later, watched it movie night uh, with the parents on a weekday and and, and kind of had a watch party with it. And they loved it, which was like it was hard. It was hard to dislike it in the room. Mm-hmm. And maybe I got pushed around Uh begrudgingly i liked it more on on rewatch but it's rewatchable yeah i will say and it, and like you're we we're conditioned on sorkin so like you were saying i think uh i think it's engaging that being said i wish it was made 10 years ago and sure you know it, it would just fit better yeah that's fair all right that's uh that's your side of it i'm going to mention make mention of two things two movies studio 666 i saw this last night at 5 o'clock best picture was 
I just fit it in, Mike. This is Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters starring in their own movie. Mike, they recorded an album Mm -hmm. at a remote house in Encino, I believe. And and they thought it was haunted. They did this in real life, and then they wanted to make a movie about this experience (laughs) and turn it into a horror movie. And they did. They got the guy who directed one of those hatchet movies that were kind of hilariously terrible. Mm -hmm. And really bloody. <laughs> and I, I like those movies to a degree. They're, they're slasher movie schlock. The Victor Crowley saga, yeah. On purpose. So this is that with worse acting. <laughs> because these, And I, I was a Foo Fighters fan back in a former life uh, of their music. I, I Look, all of us loved and hated some of their music videos for, for obvious reasons. But when I went to see them live, they were really good mm-hmm. 15 years ago or whatever and that stuck with me so it's like looking for a i got freed up because we were supposed to record and i was like i'm either gonna go home and watch ukraine stuff or i'll go to the movies and i went to the movies and i saw this before cyrano i was going to see cyrano and there were 50 people in my movie theater mike at five o'clock nice i was counted on. i was i was counting them it was over 50 people. It was awesome. It was almost like everybody's rock band, their garage band came in and they're high-fiving each other. It's like there's just pockets, groups of like five dudes here, five dudes there, a lot of dudes <laughs> everywhere just high-fiving during this movie. So that was fun. This movie was bad, but it was kind of a good bad and I just take my hat hats off to the fact that they're releasing this wide and that people had a good time at Studio 666. So don't expect anything good, but if, you, if you're if you a fan of haunted house death metal music played by the Foo Fighters and bad jokes by rock band members and you don't mind the bad acting, just, yeah, you'll, you might have some fun at it. Nice. I'm happy to hear that. I've, I've been happy. I've been excited about that movie ever since I saw the uh, the first trailer for it. So, all right. Decent time, at least, if you uh, can get some of Foo Fighters enjoyment out of it. What about Cyrano? I was the youngest person of eight people there <laughs> by I by maybe 30 years. So at seven o'clock, I went into Cyrano on my A-list and some great songs and everything Jazz said about the, and, and everything she wrote about the production design in Sicily and the costumes, Jacqueline Duran and Massimo Cantini Perini, they clearly had a field day with all the buttons and the stitching, and you guys know I don't know anything about fashion, but I loved examining the costumes, Michael. I loved the up-closeness and the big screenness of those costumes. They really popped, and it really was beautiful. Joe Wright's movies, I mean, he did the Pride and Prejudice film. He did uh, Atonement. He knows how to, how to stage a film, and, and the cinematography is gorgeous. So Peter Dinklage is the star of this. He, he acted in his wife's adaptation of Cyrano in Connecticut, go figure, huh. Chester, Connecticut, right? Where this kind of blossomed and became a thing and then got to Broadway and eventually here we are, they're making a movie with it. So Dinklage is awesome. The problem is he's so awesome and he's such a stud, he's such a super stud in his wife's play here and you know adapted it to a movie that it's hard to understand why she's not throwing herself at him. Mm immediately gotcha because we all should gotcha so why does this story work the same way the old Cyrano's de Bergerac story worked well how does it work it doesn't work it negates the plot they should just be together it's so obvious they have great chemistry what are we doing so that's where I'm at like the the, the production value is beautiful the music beautiful the performance great 
Kelvin Harrison Jr. can sing. My God, Haley Bennett can sing when she's not swallowing tacks. She can <laughs> sing. Good God, she's uh, she's very talented. And don't act for Ron Howard movies anymore, please. Mm-hmm. Even though she was very good in that <laughs> fried fried bologna sandwiches. I'll, I'll thumbs up to those at least. Th- this this is worth seeing. Glenn Hansgard's song is absolutely terrific. The national. You know, you got a lot of big musicians involved as well. So uh, this is like if you want a musical that's got the some goods to deliver in that regard. But if big and big in a bigger picture, if you want like production values and Fifi stuff that you just gotta enjoy. Like what a weird double feature, Studio Six. Yeah, I'd say Cyrano. I, I I would say so, but it worked. I I. I'm half surprised and half not to hear you speak so glowingly about such a period piece. And speaking of you being an 87 year old man, let's do some trailer reviews and one that you put in at the last second <laughs> on me and forcing me to do. <laughs> Downton Abbey, Mike, it's a new era. It's a new era for Downton Abbey. Tom's getting married, Mike. Every day I do this show, <laughs> I lose a little bit more of the tiny bit of self-respect I've ever had for myself. Like they know what they're doing. You get a vacation to a villa in France, and Carson's like, "The British are coming." Can, can you believe he said that, Mike Carson? <laughs> He's so funny. Can you believe he said the British are coming, Mike? We're all Mike. Are you still there? <laughs> fading further from God's light. <laughs> Look, uh, like me, the the Earl of Clefchin. There finally lost some weight. Like we're both overdue in that regard. So I, I kind of—it's the first time I felt this this friendship with him, just based on appearances. Uh, I'm still not going to come around to his character. Like I'm rooting hard against two characters. I'm rooting against the Earl, and I'm rooting against his daughter Mary. I don't like those characters. That being said, he looks good. Yea, though I walk through the shadow of the Valley of Death. I shall feel. Mike Maggie Smith. Yeah, so Maggie Smith. She's got a mysterious past here. They had ten seasons of the show on TV and a no, feature they film. Had six. Okay, they had six. And now Maggie Smith has a mysterious past. She always had that past, but now she's got a French villa to prove it. And that's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you're telling me the film sequel to Downton Abbey is going to take place away from Downton Abbey? Yeah, but did you hear the French version of the theme song? <laughs> it was hilarious. I will say, going with our mothers when going to the movies was a thing that we were allowed to do, it was a great experience. It was one of the most fun times I had that year in the theater. It totally was. It totally was. We had, we had a blast. And we're going to have another blast when we go to this movie. We probably should just go like at five, like, like I did. Go at five, then we'll go back at seven. And we'll just do it twice in a row. What, no? what an episode for you to have this trailer be in. <laughs> <laughs> we should have led with this. <laughs> just ignored everything else. That's what I wanted to do. Uh, can I say the mic drop moment for Maggie Smith? I really hope that they cut to a clock and it says, like she, because she's like, I'm going to retire early. And uh, she makes her exit. I hope it's like 4.30 p.m. Just like an old person. <laughs> just hope it's like, I'm going to bed 4.30. I just want them to lean into some of those jokes, please. Because I, I know there's going to be hypocrisy of me making old people jokes for weeks 
uh, around this movie and then loving this movie, Mike, with our moms. But I, are you are you still there? You're on the line. <laughs> I can't believe you have taking this much time talking about this trailer. Elvis. We got a Baz Luhrmann Elvis movie coming out. This is, of course, from the director of The Great Gatsby, Moulin Rouge, Strictly Ballroom in Australia. It's starring Austin Butler from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as Elvis. It's starring Tom Hanks as a Muppet. It's starring <laughs> Cody Smith McPhee and Kelvin Harrison Jr. And Gary Clark Jr., who's probably my favorite guitarist on the planet. Speaking of rock stars, mm. that dude can shred and my god it's a hundred percent his guitar going nuts in this trailer he's an absolute badass i completely agree i've seen him i don't have a lot of experience with him but seeing him on like the grammy stages a couple times and just looking at a couple videos of his on youtube he's outstanding um he melts our faces It, it feels like and as far as the austin butler casting and makeup for this it was there was some studio exec somewhere who was like oh an elvis biopic get me johnny depp and it's like sir johnny depp is almost 60 and they, oh, well then get me the eye makeup that can make someone look like johnny depp so you think all studio executives are fixated on the movie crybaby yes starring johnny does depp? he not does austin butler not look like an extra from that movie i think johnny depp was doing an elvis impersonation <laughs> There were literally hips and squares in that movie. Yeah, Mike. you're probably right. You're, it's probably that's what you're fixated you. on. You know why? Because you watch network TV, television. <laughs> You've probably seen that on network television recently. I had I have quite the experience with Crybaby, as a matter of fact, that I will not get into now. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. So this is another grudge that we just haven't gotten to yet. You're like an onion or peeling back layers. Can we can we talk about the elephant? Yeah, speaking in the room? about someone who lo- who's made to look like an onion. Jar Jar Hanks, <laughs> what the f is going on with fat soup Muppets, over the top ethnic accented goofball star turns transformations muas nightmares from mascot hell Tom Hanks? Why is he jumping in on this Paolo Gucci trend, Michael? Like because he knows a good that, thing when he sees it. Unlike oh, you, <laughs> ev. So here's here's the thing about this. I'm ripping it, and yet every time he pops up with his voice like this, <laughs> he's like a <laughs> he's like a circus pedophile. <laughs> it's just uncontrollable. I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I'm saying horrible shit. Uncontrollable belly laughs. Rewatch this trailer, like the ticklish kind, the good stuff, the stuff you need. You need once a day if you're if you're lucky in life. You'll get a belly laugh like that once a day. And Tom Hanks' creepy voice in this trailer does it. I'm in for, like, the antagonist Oscar-chasing Hanks role. It's not often we get to see America's dad playing a role that, like, seems seedy and, like, I don't know, doesn't care about Martin Luther King or JFK's assassination, but that's the the taste of the character we got in this trailer. (laughs) That's the thing. It's just such a discrepancy from the rest of the trailer because the rest of the trailer is at least the first 90 seconds though mike we have yeah. like this awesome trailer. yeah there is a, a definite disconnect between when the slow music starts for the last two minutes of this trailer and like the first the first 90 seconds is a great trailer i agree they should have just ended yeah. it like in there before the 
before the JFK MLK stuff, they they kind of had it going there for a while, and then they're like, "Oh, guess what? We're gonna do like every other musical biopic in the history of career musical biopics. We're gonna go through his entire life. It's Forrest we're gonna Gump, go through with all Elvis. of history. Yeah, we're and Forrest Gump, here, ironically. Oh my God! So uh, I, I'm going in for the music all the same. I'm going in for the impersonation of Elvis here because I think he's doing an awesome. I job. agree. John Johnny Depp aside, mm-hmm. Crybaby aside, yeah, he, he looked he looked great. I wonder if that's his voice. I wonder too. I don't know, I, but I'm going in for the Baz Luhrmann of this. I mean, this is just over the top, gratuitous Bazness, and he did great with the Great Gatsby. I, I just watched that recently. That is a great rewatch, by the way. So, a slow romantic song over all of history. I don't know. I'm, I might be in. Like more montage, the better in this movie. Surprised this is a summer release. That timing, though, has played well for biopics in the past. We can, we'll have to look at it yeah. in the box office. But you'll get an OSP from us mm-hmm. happily, I'm sure. Yeah, no doubt. In June. Yeah. All right, Mike. Nope. We have Jordan Peele. He just gets it. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yun. Not only is this going to be about flying saucers, about the origin of horse movies. And much like The Power of the Dog, you can't avoid this one. You can't avoid this horse movie. I'm thrilled. I'm just beaten down. Now, look, uh, horse movies need to stop. But <laughs> that said, Jordan Peele could, like, buy my life rights and make, you know, the lifetimes and hooves of Mike One horse movie extraordinaire if he wanted to. And I'd be totally fine with it. He so, could turn you into Mr. Ed. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool with whatever Jordan Peele wants to do when it comes to horse movies or otherwise. And at least it's not a horse movie in that it's like no. all about horses. It's a horse movie in the sense of, was that woman half a horse in the stance? <laughs> I don't understand a lot of things in this trailer. Most notably her face. That's <laughs> It's a strange uh, and the, situation. And the bumping of knuckles between man and hoof. Under what the was table? That? I don't know. Is that an alien? I love that. Like it's this. The the poster we got suggested this is alien invasion. I guess this is an alien invasion movie based on the trailer because we see something crash in the distance. Where I, I suppose it's a UFO. But why the emphasis on horses? Well, that was the question we had when the poster came out. It looked like a flying saucer, right? But. It could have been black holes. We weren't entirely sure. This looks like a flying saucer. I think there's enough. I mean, it's maybe not be an alien invasion, but it looks like we got aliens here. The course. way he, he that the trailer's edited where you have the a film by Jordan Peele coming down vertically. That was cool. That kind of looks like an edited, like how the Spider-Man trailer was edited to erase the other Spider-Men. That like there's going to be a, a saucer or something sitting over the house there, but I don't know. Independence Day style, yeah. maybe. I think there's a lot of intriguing questions, though. Like, there's character questions. Like, Daniel Kaluuya doesn't seem to be in on the family business, even though he seems like a purist of the family business, and Kiki Palmer seems to be the business side of it. Seems to be loving every second of this trailer until the end, mm. where she's dancing and she's shooting a commercial with all the pizzazz. Uh, but we have questions like what's causing the power to slowly go out there at the beginning what's causing the horses to riot uh what do they see in the sky is it up there is it cloaked what's what's a bad miracle he says which is a great tagline yeah. for this thing uh why does steven yun have a horse in the box what is that face what are the wacky and waving inflatable arm flailing <laughs> tube men why are they falling over multiple times too 
Why is the bloody hand doing a fist bump with somebody? Oh, and what's going to happen to Kiki Palmer? She sucked it to the sky. It does exactly what I want every good trailer to do. It's just like leave us with a ton of questions and very little answers. We have to see it now. Yeah. We have to. We have to. It looks great. I can't I mean, wait. He effing rocks, as they said on screen. I'm glad we get to end this episode on a positive note with all the downtroddenness that it, it in questions and disappointedness and uh, adjectives that come out it. of it. Yeah. Uh, but as always, what matters most to us, dear listener, or your thoughts, uh, obviously about these trailers, we want you to weigh in on those, but probably most importantly, what do you think about what's going on with the Oscars right now and their changes? And do you think they're for the better or worse? Do you have more faith in the Academy and why should we, or should we not let us know all of that as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you have about anything else we do here in the MMO empire. You can leave us all of those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us either on the Spotify or Apple Podcast app, if you would be so kind as to go into those and leave us a five-star review, if you appreciate what we do here, we would certainly appreciate that from you. Michael, let's have some words of wisdom to end on and tell the good people what's coming next from us. Well, I think it's wise to listen to High and Mighty's Oscars episode. Yeah. That was hilarious with John Gabris, who's... Uh, been on our show uh, to review Knives Out back in the day. Yeah. But he does an annual show with Mark Rennie and John Flynn. It might be one of the funniest episodes of any podcast ever. ever. It's just my favorite. <laughs> and I, I've listened to it like three times. And we can never do that. So right. I'm just so in awe of, of High and Mighty's Oscars episode every year. So go listen to that. Uh, what's coming next? We got a Screen Actors Guild Awards recap show that we're set to record Monday night with a special guest, a special guest who's had some big news in his life. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that with him as well, returning guest. Yeah, excited for all that. Um, we, we we promised the Mike, Mike, and Oscars at some point, but all, you know, the, we all hell broke it, yeah. loose. So we had to yeah. uh, move that, but that'll be coming We'll do sometime. it in May, May yeah. or June. Maybe uh, we'll do a double, we'll do the Elvis review Mike, Mike, and Oscars award show. That'll be that episode. Uh, no, we'll get to it at some point. But, we uh, could put Tom Hanks up against Paolo Gucci. There you go. There you <laughs> the, go. the battle all of us deserve at this and, point, I'll and say. And Fat Goo Dune <laughs> Skarsgård. Which is his birth name, of course. The uh, Goo people. <laughs> when reality, or, you know, your favorite award show's governing body sucks... You can come talk about the changes with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.